after they listen to this episode, what should they do today that would be smart? I, I mean, the, the the best word that I can say is to be vigilant and, and, and also, I almost hate to use this word, but um, skeptical. Uh, you know, just um, when you receive something, think before you click. Mm-hmm. Um, just like Alex has mentioned several times, you know, just take a step back. Um, don't respond out of uh, a fear or urgency, um, but kind of think it through. Does this make sense? And this is what I'm getting. Does it look right? Does it look like it's from the person that I'm expecting it from? Does it sound like how they would talk to me and how they would write an email to me? Um, just, just kind of be skeptical and safe. We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios in the Brewer Districts south of downtown Columbus. Hi, this is Brett, and with me as always is Carol. Our guests today are the nicest guys in town. Our <laughs> nice guy technology team is here again with us to provide important information for each of us utilizing the internet. Welcome Mason Landrum and Alex West. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us again. Sure. And we know that you're tired of people saying, you're such nice guys, but we love having you here. So, you know, really thank you very much for all of your time and, and bringing your talent and, and information to our audience. We certainly appreciate it. Um, so you have joined us in the past, and every time we talk, I feel like I have had a whole course on IT all of this information and ideas, and we've talked about Venmo, we've talked about a two-part authentication, we've had lots and lots of different topics, um, and we've just we've just talked about small business needs, cybersecurity, many many topics. Today we're going to hear some terms that are often thrown around, um, but they are not always completely explained. One thing I just mentioned before we actually start taping is. A lot of information out there, but it's all very um, peripheral, not really getting into the meat of issues. Today, we're going to discuss the surface web and the invisible web, what they are, what they're not, what is dark, what's deep, and how do we stay out of that black hole of the internet? So, Mason, let's first provide our listeners with a little information about you guys and Nice Guys Technology. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm Mason Landrum. I have with me one of our technicians today, uh, Alex West. Uh, we are Nice Guy Technology. We've been providing um, technology services to small and medium-sized businesses around Columbus for the last 12 years. Um, basically, our main customers are small businesses that uh, either don't have a dedicated uh, IT person, then we are their IT department, um, or we also work with um, some companies uh, and provide what is called co-managed IT services to where they they already have some people working in IT, and we provide them with uh, additional services. And, you know, I think this is really important for small businesses to hear because in one of our previous podcasts, we, we talked about being prepared and doing things ahead of time so that you are ready for any emergencies. And if it's a small business and they don't have the dollars to have a full-time IT person um, right there. So what you're doing, providing that service, is is very important for so many businesses. There are lifelines. Absolutely, and, and because small businesses so often are not prepared, they are a huge target for hackers, 
uh, and individuals looking mm-hmm. to us exploit those weaknesses because small businesses don't have the resources to put in place to protect themselves the way large, you know, Fortune 500 companies do. Right. Oh, good point. Because how many of us have gotten letters saying, oh, yeah, by the way, oops, you got hacked and now exactly. you are at risk. So, yeah, good, great. Thank you. Yeah. So the surface web is the part of the Internet that is accessible to all. Um, when we think of using a URL to find it, searchable on all the search engines, usually what we're looking at every day, like local news, sports, listening to podcasts, you know, TV, that kind of stuff. However, as you've commented, it's only 5% of the actual Internet. So um, let's take a look at the, the term deep web, what we actually utilize a portion of the deep web for positive tasks like reaching databases we need, emails, uh, HIPAA and medical information, legal filings, banking, educational tasks. Talk about the creation of that deep web and how passwords and security walls protect it and us. Think of um, the web as um, a, an iceberg and how when you see an iceberg um, in the ocean, only a small portion of that iceberg is outside the water. That is the surface web that we that you just mentioned, that little 5%. So everything else that is on the internet is in the deep web and the dark web area. Um, just like you mentioned, though, just because they call it the dark web doesn't mean it's, you know, everything that's happening in it um, are negative things. Um, you know, we do, the dark web is just that area where a lot of businesses have um, their, their, like you said, their databases and um, the information that we use a lot for research. That's just um, uh, not the entertainment area, I guess you would say, of the web that is that is part of the surface web. Um, although it is absolutely necessary. Um, That's often, though, in that dark web area that you find those websites that you access through multi-factor authentication, like your banking website. Whenever you log into Mm -hmm. your banking website, you're providing a password, a login and a password, as well as a two-factor authentication through your your phone. So most of what is in the dark web area, I'm sorry, in the deep web area is... um, is still protected and is absolutely necessary to our day-to-day functioning in in society. Right. It's not sinister. Absolutely. When you hear dark web, you hear it. It's so sinister, even deep web. Yeah. It sounds like everything is illegal and it's not. Right. Right. And that's just, I mean, the, the, the dark web represents another 5%. So the majority, a lot of the the portion that, that we use on a regular basis that is essential to our day-to-day processes of banking and finance and all that is in that 90% area of, of that deep web. Okay. okay. So then what we're really talking about in terms of the dark web, that's where all the headlines are, where people right. are out there hacking away. Um, that's what contains information that it's not only harmful, but damaging um, personal security, identity, that sort of thing. But there are some functions that must be kept away from the surface web, such as anonymity of abuse victims um, in the legal system or whistleblowers. But the predominant use of the dark web is for hiding, creating, distributing malicious software and hacking. Tell us about that dark web and some of the examples you've seen of the destruction. So that's mainly when, like, if you have a breach that occurs, um, you're going to be getting the username and passwords of people that are, you know, you know, the Twitter breach, the target breach or anything mm-hmm. like that. And then people will be distributing those passwords to kind of the highest bidder, just an eBay, but for purchasing uh, people's information and all their um, 
security, but it's less of like no one's just going to kind of stumble into the dark web on themselves to even use it. You have to use something that's called a Tor browser. So you'd have to download a piece of software that's not easily found. It's not just like Google Chrome where you can be like, how do I download this? <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it is where all the kind of exchange exchanges go down and where that back and forth goes between for getting those kind of illicit materials. Yeah. So what are the, have you, have your clients called you and said, I've been hacked and, and f have you found this going on where people are getting into their systems by these sinister means? <laughs> Luckily, the worst that we have had happen is um, an, an email has, has been hacked. Right. Um, you know, someone discovered a password, was able to get into a client's email. Um, but luckily, that's the worst that has happened for any of our clients. So we haven't had anyone that was hacked. Obviously, any business that uses services out there uh, for payroll, um, maybe um, HubSpot, um, services like um, Dropbox and OneDrive, um, any of those services, you're using an online service. You have passwords and logins associated with those. Almost every one of those that I just mentioned has had a breach. That means your information as a business owner is out there on the dark web. You are a part of it. Um, we run um, dark web scans for our clients, mm. and I think it's rare. It's usually a very, very small, tiny company that maybe only has four or five people that we've ever found information not to be on the dark web. Otherwise, it is out there because you've been a part of the service breach. And that's the biggest reason to have that two-factor authentication because if your password or information is leaked, as long as you have that, they still can't access your account because you would need that token that's being generated or being sent to your phone that they don't have and that will gain access to that account. Um, mm. Let's go back to the one program that you mentioned. Is it one, not one, Dropbox? OneDrive. OneDrive. Mm -hmm. OneDrive which is made by Microsoft. one of the, mm -hmm. I wasn't going to say oh, it, but okay. yeah, but by Microsoft. So I just got a new computer mm -hmm. and we had to go through all sorts of gyrations to get rid of that. Mm -hmm. They are bound and determined for you to use it. And I didn't want it. And it complicates what I keep on my computer. It complicates um, my McAfee security. It does all mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So the person who helped me get my computer up and going had to do all kinds of steps to get rid of that so so here you have microsoft a new you know computer uh windows based computer and you're you can't get rid of a of a program that could lead to lots of problems for you it could i mean it's it's just a part of being a computer owner nowadays i mean if you have a twitter account facebook account linkedin You've been a part of a breach. Right. It's impossible to be to use an internet-based service that it, it's just impossible to be 100% secure. Mm -hmm. um, the businesses do try to do the best that they can, but, you know, new vulnerabilities are being found every day that these hackers are exploiting. Where are they finding those vulnerabilities? On the dark web. And then they can actually purchase those vulnerabilities software that allows them to, um, to use those vulnerabilities then to attack businesses and and da these databases that are out right, there right. now obviously some some businesses haven't done their best due diligence and and there have been found databases that are out there on the web containing very personal information about clients that weren't even password protected 
Hmm. So it does happen. I mean, accidents do do occur or or they haven't done their due diligence to to keep that information protected. But sometimes it's just it, you know, if you're if you have a computer connected to the internet, it's impossible to be 100% secure. Wow. So as we dis- discuss all the destruction that can occur to an individual when they're caught in the wrong place on the internet, th- there are also situations that we all encounter every day, someone trying to hack our accounts, as we just talked about. Um, can you talk about the difference be- differences between smishing, which is text or message apps, phishing, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, emails and links, and vishing, with a V, for voicemails or voice calls? <laughs> yes, I... <laughs> Tongue twist over all these different well, ishings. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. You can always tell when I, I start doing all this research for these questions. Yeah. And then I give the hard ones to Brett. <laughs> and I, well, I practiced and I still did. <laughs> I figured I better spell and emphasize what I'm saying. But uh, Alex, yeah, the, uh, what are all these going on? Yeah, what is this stuff? So it's just different attempts of trying to get you to kind of compromise yourself. Okay. So like um, with smishing, it's just typically someone like trying to pretend to be someone that you know or mm-hmm. like, oh, we've got this great offer at Target. If you click on this link, you'll get mm-hmm. 100% free items mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just things like that of just trying to social engineer your way around someone and get into their kind of like, I guess, fear aspect of, mm-hmm. oh, or kind of distrust of being like, is this something I should be doing? It's almost like a too good of a deal to seem like it's real. Um so just with stuff like that, especially if it's someone claiming to be someone that you know, just reach out to them of how you normally communicate with them. Don't, you know, respond back, you know, mm-hmm. give them a call with their personal number or, you know, if it's someone that you're close to, go in person and talk to them and be like, hey, did you just try and offer me $10,000 in gift cards? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny that we hear these stories, just like you said, of an offer too good to be true, an offer too good to be true, but it seems to work. Because it keeps going on and on. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not pretending to be the smartest guy in the room that's like, come on, can you read through it? Obviously, there are levels of different sophistication to what they do. But it just seems like how long does it? we have to continue to say this? If it doesn't look real, don't act on it. Well, Is it, Target really going to give you thousands of dollars just because they like your phone number? Yeah, I think it's yeah. just freaking people out. Like um, my mom had a neighbor that contacted her and be like, I think I've been hacked, but it was someone that just texted them saying like, you know, we have illicit photos of you in which there were no photos even. And she's like, I've never even taken photos. So it's like, that's probably not real. So it's just having someone take a beat and just really act proactively and not reactively to Mm -hmm. the situation. Just be like, let's take a moment, figure out what's actually going on and then process through the situation. All right. When, when you're looking at, your email um, company. I, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure the right... Like uh, an email it, provider? Yes. So I use Gmail mm-hmm. as opposed to Yahoo, as opposed to AT&T or whatever. Um, when I started e- Gmail, it was supposed to be real safe. Well, I can't even tell you. I mean, I'm just getting bombarded every day with bogus emails. Mm-hmm. Is there a provider that's better than the others? Or does it really make any difference? To a point, I'd say like the big ones like, you know, having one through Apple, Gmail, or Microsoft would be your best bet. I mean, we run into clients that have the weirdest 
email provider that we've heard of and just be like, this can't be real. And then, Cousin of mine you know, is still using Juno. It, and it's working. You know, they've been using it for 10 years. But, oh, this one's like way back. Yeah. So it's and it's more on the business side or if you really want to pay for it, you can have, you know, like spam protection and things you're paying a monthly cost for that's going through and filtering through emails, seeing the domain that it's coming from, the content that's in the email and just checking it through a database of is this a spam email or is this a legitimate email mm-hmm. mm. i i um did get a uh text uh, a text or a message from on facebook mm-hmm. from somebody i thought it was a friend and she used the term grant oh i know of a place you could get some grants because i was writing grants for the agency so it if, and from somebody who i thought would know that and so we went back and forth a couple of times, but as soon as she sent me a link that looked a little weird, I backed out yeah. mm-hmm. and ignored it, and it just went away, and it was her Facebook page had been hacked. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of emails from people I know, supposedly, their name is there, weird email addresses, and it's, oh, I have some pictures for you. And some, a couple might be people that I would expect to send me pictures, all the others would not be. They have checked their emails. They have done everything they can to fix their email system, but their names keep coming up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like that spoofing aspect for phishing. So, okay. like, you can the, – the best thing for businesses to do is, like – we. that's kind of what happened with our um, situation that happened is that someone purchased a domain – that was one letter off mm-hmm. of what their actual domain is. So unless you're looking really carefully, you're not going to notice that it's the incorrect domain. So just really double, triple checking on where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, like, at least for me personally, no one is ever going to send me anything in an email with a link that I'm ever going to click on. Right. Right. Uh, that yeah. You know, so you just, True. that's just your decision to do that. And people who know you know that. Yeah. So they're... I, yeah, I heard. I don't know if it was Amazon or one of them. The O was replaced with a zero. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and so it yeah. was almost impossible to see that it was a bad um, email. So yeah. does it doesn't do any good to unsubscribe or to, you know, it, it does show up as, OK, I. They resell email addresses, correct? So if it is so, you, so all of a sudden you start to see these other emails going, wait a minute, I just unsubscribe. You don't know it's directly related, but you're really not eliminating spam emails because you're just <laughs> saying yeah i still serve I, I i exist but i'm i'm unsubscribing or i'm classifying you as spam and they just resell it correct yeah. so i've heard both if they're a legitimate company and you did initially sign up okay. for it then it is safe to unsubscribe right. because you signed up for it yeah however other people say you know don't unsubscribe just start blocking that email because okay. if you go to unsubscribe you're letting them know yes this is a real email mm-hmm. and, right. and then they're going to take advantage of it even right. further right so it's i've heard both okay okay um, so you take your chances one way or the other whatever well, makes it, you feel good at the moment i guess yeah exactly. what what's interesting is um you get say you um give money to a charity and you're on their email list and and that's okay what you don't know is that they sell your their list. Yes. So you end up on everybody else's list. That's where I get confused. If it's somebody that I know specifically I signed up for that I'm not interested in for whatever reason or inundated with email, I'll unsubscribe. But it's all the other six or seven or eight charities that all looks legitimate. The addresses mm-hmm. look legitimate, but I'm a little leery about unsubscribing. 
I do usually go ahead and unsubscribe if if that just lets them know that that email is is for real. Then then I go to the blocking standpoint of of just blocking all email from that mm-hmm. is coming from that particular sender, um, and then that will resolve the issue. Too. So actually, maybe doing both, even if you do unsubscribe, block them anyway. You could block them. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I want to ask. I know we we touched about you know the sinisterness of the dark web. And I'm looking through what we want to cover here, and it's not, what I want to ask is not really covered, so I'm going to do an ad lib here, is really describing what's going on in that sinister dark, because I was part of a presentation you guys did for a local chamber on the dark web, and it was really eye-opening and scary that this stuff's going on, and it's not just what we were talking about, I'm going to kind of tee you up here on this, that you know, selling names and email addresses and passwords. We're talking about, if I remember correctly, selling military-grade arms. You know, it's just in in human trafficking. I mean, it's nasty stuff. Yeah, basically anything it is. And and luckily, again, it's a very small portion of the web. But – when you when if you get there pretty much anything that can be bought and sold is there you know everything like what we talked yeah. about with identity theft but yes absolutely rocket launchers <laughs> um obviously fake documents you can hire a hitman yeah when he's um, when he said here hire a hitman i think everybody in the in the room went no way <laughs> Absolutely. Hire a hitman. Aren't you glad that that our skills are different and we need each other on (laughs) this? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. You can purchase um, poisonous substances, ricin, um, Mm. uh, explosives, uranium, um, just anything that you can possibly think of or even what you can't think of. uh, If it can be bought or sold, it is on there. And, yes, child pornography and um, prostitution and, I mean— uh, blueprints. I mean, you could see that being, you know, beneficial mm-hmm. to some individuals planning something, you know, wanting blue t- blueprints to a, a government building or something yeah. like that. Uh, counterfeit money. Um, in- anything you can possibly think of. Unfortunately, it's out there. Yeah. I I just wanted to spotlight that. I, I don't I, I I just think it's fascinating, but yet scary, but yet depressing. <laughs> but at the same time, thank goodness. I that we know it's there, I guess. Well, and it's you not know, only that. Because, because you don't want it hidden. It's hidden, per se, but we do know it's there. It is, and it's so interesting how it's presented because if you go to one of these sites that is selling possibly you know, weapons or whatever, it looks like you're on an eBay page. I mean, it looks exactly like what we're used to using in in that Surface web, but it's it's a shopping, electronic shopping mall for, for things like this, for, mm-hmm. for all of these things that you would never think of. Um, buying or selling on a on a daily basis. Yeah. Amazing. One thing that I wanted to go uh, back and, and touch mm-hmm. on, if yeah. possible, yeah. Um, that I think is the scariest of the ones that, that we mentioned uh, between the fishing, fishing, or smishing, fishing, See? and fishing. Uh, okay, thank you. I, it, I'm not the only it's one. It's not just yes. you. <laughs> I, I left it for you guys. Yeah, yeah, I listen to you. Uh, the, the one that worries me the most now is is the vishing, and that's because of artificial intelligence, uh, the, mm, the advancement yeah. right. of artificial intelligence. Right. So yeah. what pers- people can do is find videos out there that people have made, sample the voice um, that's on those videos, and then use artificial intelligence to create fake phone calls and stuff. So, um, you know, you could imagine a grandma getting a call from what sounds like their grandchild asking for money. 
Um, and it's, it, it, it's very realistic. It sounds just like that person's voice, but is completely fake. And the sole purpose is to try to, to get information or, or money out of an individual. And that, that one probably just scares me the most because, um, you know, you can look at an email and have doubts about it. Um, you can see a text message and have doubts about it. But when you hear that person's voice and maybe even the, the real concern in, in the voice and the seriousness of it, you know, your emotions start coming right. in. And, right. and it's very easy for you to say yes and believe that is real. Again, just like Alex said, reach out some other way to that individual and say, hey, are you really in trouble? Do you really need money? It could be legitimate, but just warning you that, that this is happening. Yeah. I, I, we mm. had a discussion with someone on scams against seniors, and that topic came up. And, and if I remember correctly, a couple of things they said, if you have an older relative and you're afraid that something like that could happen they are because they're vulnerable, to not let their phone take voicemail messages yes. and also yes. get caller ID and train them to not pick up the phone unless they can identify who it is. Mm-hmm. So that – um, Which, thank goodness, there are some simple answers. And also – Solutions, right. I should say, to, mm-hmm. to help you out at least. Yeah. And, and the family have a like a password, a, 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 a word that they would recognize so that if you get a phone call and you say now – what's the family word and they can't give it to you, then, you know, you know. That's a great idea. I remember doing that with my son when we were, um, when he was little to say, you know, if we ever send somebody else to pick you up from Mm -hmm. anywhere, this is the code word. If they don't know the code word, you don't go with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an excellent way to do that. Yeah. So it, and and it's not just for older adults. Good point. It could be for children too, Mm -hmm. because they're all on phones now, but to um, Mm -hmm. make sure that they are, um, I, and I think one of the stories that I mentioned in that other podcast, an older adult friend of mine is very hard of hearing, and she I called her. She didn't know it was me on the other end because she couldn't hear me, and then proceeded to give her whole life story to somebody who could have been a stranger, who could have been looking for information. It was me, luckily, so she was safe, but yeah, it was it was. I, I was like in shock when she's talking about all of this on the phone with somebody and she didn't know who it was. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah. mm. um, so I think we're good. Any other points that you want to make about that? Okay, no. cool. All right. So one of the things, though, that we mentioned just now and, and um, we always ask, it, ask you to talk about is how do people get prepared before a disaster happens? Um, yes, pro, being proactive is better, but it's not always easy and it's not intuitive for those of us who are not in an IT world. Um, but so what steps should we take now to prevent those issues from happening later so we prevent being hacked? Are there any other tips like what we just talked about with the vishing? Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, I already said that chances are probably 90% or better that your information is already out there on the dark web, uh, which means but usernames and passwords of yours have already been compromised. One of the best things that you can do is, one, don't reuse passwords. So if you have a password that you use for a particular site for LinkedIn, don't use that same password um, with another website or another service. Um, change your passwords frequently. And one of the best ways to do all of this is by using a password manager that can manage all that for you. So basically what this is is a piece of software 
that you use, you have to remember one really good password for your password manager. And then it's the password manager's responsibility to remember all of these complex passwords for um, these other websites and be able to change them frequently. Um, I don't know a whole lot about password managers. I think Brett's used them. So would I have to have separate password managers on my phone and on my computer? How does that work? You can have the same one. So like the one that we use is a piece of software called Keeper. Um, it, you know, just syncs with the account that you have. You put it on your phone, you put it on your computer, really whatever device you want it on that it supports. And then you just log in with that main password and it gives you access to, you know, all of the uh, logins that you have for something. You can even store um, copies of documents if you want, IDs, credit cards, anything like that. Is, is there a cost to Keeper, do you know? Um, I, the, there is, but you can also use it for free. It kind of depends on what you want to do. Is that good? I mean, is the free version good, good enough for most folks? Oh, yeah. I, I set it up for my mom and my aunt, and it's fine. Okay. Good. Yeah, I mean, so there, are, there are paid versions for businesses, and that's right. the reason why we use it is because sometimes businesses, even though you shouldn't, um, certain things for businesses, you may only have one account, and that account needs to be shared among multiple people. Mm -hmm. For example, logging into a banking account or something like that. With the business level one, you can have certain shared passwords, oh. but then you can also have your own vault of your own passwords okay. as well. Mm. So that's Keeper, K-E-E-P-E-R? Correct. Okay, good. And, that's and there, good. Are, there are others out there. One um, password. Um, LastPass. LastPass. Last LastPass, yeah. another one. I'm mm -hmm. trying to remember what I've heard, too. Last, L-A-S-T, pass? Yeah, okay. yeah. I've heard uh, that. I've heard good things about that, too. Just, you know, comes down to when you're in need. Yeah. All of a sudden, there are 50,000 of them. <laughs> well, yep. uh, yeah. I mean, anything to keep passwords uh, together. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, I have, I was in part of a hack, and I don't even remember who it was now, somebody, some company. And so I'm on one of those Experion special, they're watching over my accounts. So they keep telling me, Oh, you sort of laugh because it's like, well, your your phone number was exposed in, you know, 2017. Well, it's way too late now <laughs> to worry about it. But it, it says that my number was exposed, but I don't use that number in a password. So I'm not quite, to me, it's like weird information. Well, it was probably, it's probably at some point during the signup process, maybe for a service you had to put in, um, uh, that phone number, mm -hmm. possibly it was part of the multi-factor authentication even for okay. the site. And so it was part of your record with that company and was part of the data that was exposed. So okay. uh, so a lot more than just, you know, username and password could be credit card information out there, address information, any information that, that is required to sign up for a service, um, you know, birth dates, you know, when they have to do age verification for certain things, any information you put in could be part of a breach, unfortunately. Okay. I'm gonna. I have another question back on the password managers with Keeper and the others. Do they create the passwords, or are you feeding in the passwords that you already have with different accounts? You can choose um, with Keeper. There's like a little dice icon, so just you can click on it, just randomizes the password, and you can keep changing it. I personally still make my own, just in the off chance that I can't get into it. There's a chance I'll remember it instead of you know 25 random characters. Mm -hmm. um, and what I try and do is just do a passphrase or like, so let's say I'm making a password for PayPal. I'll take three letters out of that word and then come up with three random words and then, you know, throw in random characters and everything in there. And then right. that's my password for right. that site. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I I think I mentioned to you guys, we had a wonderful, wonderful computer volunteer for our agency, and he was the best I'd ever seen at coming up with those, those, uh, coming up with an acronym of a sentence. He would come up with a sentence about a particular item, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you'd create the acronym off of Mm -hmm. that. He was wonderful at that, and I just, I was in awe. (laughs) I guess you could look at it as just have fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just take some time and uh, you, you, because you're always going to have to worry about this and it, it has to be done. So why not be creative? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and absolutely. Right. And, and, that's true. And throw in special characters, mm-hmm. you know, hash sign, uh, question mark, exclamation point, at sign. Um, most websites can handle those. Yeah. Why is that so tricky? Why is the, the special signs such a thing to use? Because most people tend to use words okay so okay. by throwing okay. you know even using the at symbol in place of the a letter a mm-hmm. or uh, a five instead of an s yeah. you know it looks the same but it just throws throws it off you yeah. know so you're not just guessing random words it's, out of the dictionary i'm surprised it's still a thing i figured by now <laughs> the evil ones have figured out that okay most people are changing certain things and they've got to figure it out what their algorithm how to break in, but yeah, I'm glad it's not. That's a good thing, you know. Yeah. It is really interesting. I can't remember the name of the website, but there is a, a website out there that you can go to that you can type in the password you want to use, and it will generate for you how long it should take for um, mm-hmm. uh, something uh, to for that password to get cracked or or to get. That's hacked. nice. Um, and so it's interesting. So you can then you can try different letters or different symbols or lengths of the password so you can can really get a secure one. That's cool. But I can't remember what the name of the Yeah. I, I remember seeing that. We, we can find it and put it in the, cool. the, yeah. the, the links. That's Great. fun. Yeah. Great. And, yeah. And if nothing else, look at it as just something fun to do, I guess. I mean, if you got to do it, just makes them have some fun with it. Yeah. Well, it, 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 I mean, changing one thing could go from where it takes, you know, 10 steps to figure out your password to a million steps. So Yeah, simple as that. That's true. Well, it seems that our older adults are even more vulnerable to cyber attacks. As they didn't grow up with the technology, they may not be aware of all the issues at stake. Can you give the, uh, our listeners who may be older tech users or their family members and friends some guidance on what to look for and how to be prepared to fight off a cyber attack, you know, beyond a little of the advice we've had so far, but maybe there are a bit more specific things to do? I mean, the biggest thing is just making sure that what it looks like you're getting is a legitimate text or email or anything from someone that you trust. If it seems off at all, like, you know, misspellings of someone who wouldn't or just a weird way to phrase a sentence, Mm -hmm. I mean, then just, you know, Mm -hmm. really think about it. Just try not to react. Just really just be calm about it. You know, if you don't respond to someone within five minutes, you know, it's it's not going to be the end of the world. Just figure out what's going on, react calmly to it, and just reach out to a person through a trusted method that you already know. Watch for typos, mm-hmm. things yeah. like that. Yeah. I think I've noticed, too, that I'll see a, a spam text come through, um, but no response to it. They'll never text again. Well, and, and if you people know, are... So it's, they, they figure, I'm assuming they figure it's a, the, the bot thinks it's a dead number, so they're not going to try it again. If people are confident enough, they won't even, like, send you anything initially. They'll just send something random like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Or like oh, can you watch my dog on Saturday? And then waiting for someone to respond and be like, oh, sorry, I thought this was this Mm -hmm. person. Here's a gift card. (laughs) Why don't I get those freebies? I get I get photos. You guys get gift cards. I don't understand. <laughs> oh my 
I don't gosh. even send out photos. Why would anybody think yeah. I'd want them? Yeah, right, <laughs> so. right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so yeah. um, we we are, uh, for the, our audience, you know, we always put our show notes together and resources, and, and we want to make sure that if you're having some difficulty, have questions about hacking, about the dark web, that, you know, you can find the resources you need. Do either of you have some resources you want to tell our audience, um, locally or nationally, that can assist tech users, um, resources for small businesses or individuals? Sure. One of the best ones that we have found is the National Cybersecurity Alliance. Uh, Tons of resources out there. There are videos that you can watch about cybersecurity and how to protect yourself webinars that you can attend for both you, your children, um, your, your um, older um, members of your household. Um, you can request a speaker to come if you're a part of, um, mm-hmm. you know, some type of a, a group that meets on a regular basis. You can request a speaker from the National Cybersecurity Alliance to come in and speak. Um, there's just tons of resources out there. Um, your local attorney general um, tends to have a lot of resources and also had the ability to um, if you are a victim or you receive something, you can report that then to, you know, for example, the Ohio Attorney General's website. You can go there and and submit that as as you know they want that information. They want to know how often people are getting uh, those types of emails and what companies are reaching out or pretending to be um, these certain customer or these certain companies and things like that. For example, you know things from the IRS. The IRS is never going to send you an email requesting information. So if that happens to you, you can ignore it. Obviously, that's the best thing to do. But you know, feel free to to submit that also, so that they know. Um, you know, the government agencies and the individuals that track this only know what's being reported to them. So chances are, the instances of uh, these type of crimes and the and the instances of people getting these is much higher than they even know because a lot of people just ignore it and never report it. Well, we always ask our, da- our guests if they have any last words of wisdom um, they'd like to add. Do you have any other suggestions or advice uh, for our listeners maybe we didn't touch on today that just kind of popped in your mind or just that you definitely want to um, let loose on that, uh, you know, be sure to do, let's, let's just say do today. After they listen to this episode, what should they do today that would be smart? I, I mean, the, the the best word that I can say to be vigilant and 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 also I almost hate to use this word but um skeptical um you know just um when you receive something think before you click mm-hmm. um just like Alex has mentioned several times you know just take a step back um don't respond out of uh, a fear or urgency um but kind of think it through does this make sense I mean, is what I'm getting does it look right does it look like it's from the person that I'm expecting it from does it sound like how they would talk to me and how they would write an email to me? Um, just just kind of be skeptical and safe. Um, right. And typically in most of these situations, like he was saying, just really look for if it's anything urgent or like, you know, this needs to be done in 10 minutes or your account will be deleted. And no company is ever going to send you that. So right. if it's something that's really claiming that the, the worst thing that could possibly happen is going to happen, probably don't believe it. Good, good advice. Very good advice, especially when um, individuals get a phone call from their granddaughter and then they suddenly realize they don't have a granddaughter. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it just, 
you want to think twice before you just click, right? So good, good. Thank you so much. I want to thank our Nice Guy Technology experts, Mason Landrum and Alex West, for joining us today. Listeners, thank you for joining us. And do not forget to check our show notes on the website for contact information for the Nice Guy team, as well as the resources that we've talked talked about today. Um, You can find all of this information on our website at lookingforwardourway.com. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this and any of our podcast episodes.